going to start. So, um, welcome to the Prayer and Meditation Marathon Meeting. My name is Delyn, and I am a compulsive overeater and um, restrictor, and your speaker for this meeting. Hi, Delyn. Hi. I'm sorry? When did you start sharing, right? Oh, yeah, when okay. I start sharing. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's start the meeting with the serenity prayer. God, God, grant us serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So we, before we get started, we ask that all cell phones and other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please make sure. Um, this session is being recorded, and all participants who want to speak during the sharing portion of the meeting later are required to sign the release form, and I'll pass it around. Um, in order to protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed, and the opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Please remember, OA members affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs are requested to speak on their recovery in the OA program only. Um, in a little while, I'll pass around an Ask It Basket, which will be circulated so that you can put down questions for the question and answer portion of this session. And if there happens to be any press in this room, please respect our anonymity by not taking any pictures or using a video camera or our full names. So the format for this session is follows. I'm going to share for 25 minutes, followed by a question and answer portion for five minutes, followed by open sharing. Um, the Ask a Pasket will be, when we pass it around, just put your questions inside, and um, if you have any, and I'll answer those during the five-minute questions section. So um, the topic for this section is prayer and meditation, and I am the speaker. Um, okay, so um, do you mind going ahead and timing me? Um, so um, I'll just introduce myself again. Hi, I'm Dylan. I'm a compulsive eater and anorexic. Hi. Hi, and so I'm actually really excited to speak about this topic because this is like my big topic, um, and I feel like I have a lot to say, so um, I, I guess I'll just qualify by saying that I've been in recovery um, since March of 2003, and I started um, an Overeaters Anonymous in June or July of 2003, so this is actually like this week maybe, um, or next, is my 11 year anniversary in OA, and um, I was in OA for about six months, it took like kind of two or three months to really get my feet wet and kind of figure out what I was doing here. And then it took another two or three months to sort of figure out how this program worked because um, it was really different from the program that I came from. Um, and then maybe another two months or so before I started working what I kind of considered the beginning of my abstinence. Um, I am a real like kind of die-in-the-wool compulsive eater and I come from a family of compulsive eaters so I have all the symptoms of overeating, eating, you know, not being able to stop, not being able to pass up things that I'm um, 
really attracted to um, putting food as a priority above my relationships, above my self-care, above my anything. Mostly relationships is the big one. Um, and um, so that kind of, that's been like a main through line throughout my life. Um, so much so that I had no hope of that ever changing. That was just kind of like a given in my life. Um, and I also come from a family where there was um, a kind of like a spiritual diet. Like we had a spiritual teacher in my family. And in that community, there was ideas about how you could um, eat or not eat certain things. Um, and that'll make you more spiritual. So the beginning of um, some of the behavior that actually kind of got me in the room and got me to stay in the room was actually cutting things out of my diet because I wanted to impress people. I wanted to be better than other people, and I wanted to be closer to God. And so I um, started doing that in, at about like sixth grade. I made a big change in my, in my eating because I was trying to be more spiritual. And so... Um, so when I came in, finally, when I came into these rooms, um, I was actually, I mean, I, I, have, I have both, and I've had both all the time. So I had, um, you know, I'm still very much addicted to certain foods. I tend to be addicted to things like desserts um, and corn products and stuff like that. But I was also really under eating, and I had been for so long that I actually had lost control over that. And that was sort of, it was a big eye-opening experience to me when somebody um, that I was working with professionally suggested that I start eating more, and I found out that I couldn't. So that was like, um, so when I came in, my first absence was actually recovering from under-eating. And, um, and so, yeah, so, um, I guess I'll just jump a little bit and say like how that relates to spirituality and how OA for me um, is really like the only solution that works for me and I haven't tried many other solutions to try to control my food except for I guess like just willpower um, but the when I when I had been in for a little while I was living in New York City and commuting on subways as most people do there and so I used to read um, just snippets of like the big book on the train and kind of meditate on it. And um, being a perfectionist, I started reading one of the books from the beginning. And somewhere in the beginning, there's this paragraph and it says like, basically we are alcoholics and we all have that in common. Like we've all lost control over alcohol. And then it says, but the one rallying point that we can all agree on is that we found a spiritual, or it doesn't say spiritual, we found a, we all found the same solution. And so that's been really kind of struck me because when I think, the longer that I'm in program um, and I kind of like analyze what is it that like holds this together, there's, according to this page, there's only two things that hold us together. And one of them is we all have a, a common malady. And the second one is we've all found a similar solution. And for me, that similar solution is unique in this program because it, all, it includes a spiritual solution, however you define that. Um, and so um, the reason why that really worked well for me is that I am such a control addict and um, I needed something bigger than me to get past it all. Like I'm 
you know, I'm really smart, I'm really, I have big ideas, and I can argue, like, till you're blue in the face. And I was actually in a class at the time, and the teacher would just get so mad at me. I was in an acting class, and she'd just be like, just do it, just, you know, just be the character, just, like, open your heart, just be vulnerable on stage. And I would go through these big, like, um, fights with her internally, and then there would be something that would kind of like, she would help me like push past it and just let go. And that's for me is what the spiritual solution is in this program, is I needed to have something so big that I could kind of like break through the glass of all those barriers that I put up, all those like, but what about this? And But I'm unique, but you know, like I'm, you know, whatever it is that I are my protests and just be willing to kind of go for gold. So, um, so in terms of like prayer and meditation specifically, um, I also have a kind of unique um, path in that this spiritual teacher that my parents had, we had like a kind of Judeo-Christian religion and then we had this other spiritual teacher, um, meant that I was actually raised doing prayer, doing meditation. Um, that was like a rule. Like, was that, it, it was like, you know, like kids fight with their parents over taking out the trash. I had like knockdown, drag out fights with my parents over whether or not I had meditated. And it was like a really big deal. Um, so I had come from like this tradition of doing that. And in my 20s was actually my rebellion phase was stopping meditating. It was like this huge rebellion. Um, and I didn't meditate for a long time. So when I came into OA, um, I was damned if I was going to meditate. Like, it was the last thing that I was going to do. Um, and I was actually in program for a good maybe three or four years before um, a professional, like a support professional that I was working with one day finally said, you know, you need to sit down and um, just be quiet. You just need to sit down and be quiet every day. And um, and it kind of just came at the right time. I was willing to hear what she said. And I wasn't willing to do that meditation practice I had been raised doing. But I was willing to just sit and be quiet. And so I started really slow. I started with, like, I don't know, two or three minutes a day. Um, and worked my way up to about 15 or 20 minutes. Um, just sitting. And it was a really powerful experience. It was... it. Um, you know, it, it definitely shifted something. And this is kind of how I think about it. So um, we talk a lot in OA about needing a program to deal with our food addiction. And we talk a lot about the different tools that we need to do in order to deal with it. And for all, each of us, that's something different. Usually, like some of us rely a lot on the phone. Some of us might rely a lot on literature or meetings or meditation. Like we tend to have kind of our go-to things. And um, when I was thinking about this workshop, what I realized is, for me anyway, prayer and meditation is my program for the spiritual aspect of this program. So it's like I have, like, I have a way to deal with my food, and we tend to think that it's like a physical, emotional, and spiritual malady, and so we have, like, food plans for the physical, and we have, for me, like, the telephone and, and um, sponsorship and stuff like that helps to deal with more with the emotional. And really, for, like, the spiritual, like, if I'm really going to 
I real I actually need a program to work the spiritual component. And for me, prayer meditation, um, specifically more meditation, is actually that program. So, um, so, so like to, just to backtrack a little bit, like starting that five minutes a day of sitting in silence was the beginning of a formal, you know, program for me developing that part of my life. And it, it has evolved over time. It went from that into like. A formal practice that I, when I moved here, actually to California, I actually like prayed on the plane and I said, like, please God, I want to learn more about my chakras because I have all these friends who are doing all this chakra meditation, and I feel like an idiot because I can't keep up with them. And um, with it, the, the weird thing is, like, literally within a month, I saw this class and I said, oh, I need to do that class, and it turns out to be a chakra meditation class. <laughs> I had no idea that that's what it was. So, you know, so I did this other thing for a while, and, um, and you know, as luck would have it, about two years ago, I was suffering from, like, crippling anxiety. Actually, this is a year ago. Crippling anxiety to the point where I had exhausted all other options. And I sat down one day, and I said, what are you going to do about this day? I'm like, what? And then the thought came in my head, like, well, you know a meditation practice that deals with anxiety. It's the one you were raised in. So, and so I've been doing that over the past year, and it's been really helpful. Um, and, you know, the thing about meditation, which there's a lot of different forms, as you probably know. Um, I practice a, a more Hindu-style meditation, um, but there's Buddhist meditation, there's native, different native traditions of meditation, both like Northern and Southern America, there's Christian and Judeo-Christian styles of meditation, so there's a lot of different forms, um, and the form that I'm most familiar with is one that comes out of India, um, but the, the meditation that I practice actually has really profound physiological effects, um, and it's been known to reduce um, blood pressure and, you know, just like all this really powerful stuff, and so the reason why that's really important for my eating disorder is that um, when I'm in the food, I'm basically going for a physiological fix. So, you know, I usually am wanting like sugar or I mean anything, could be anything. And what I'm really wanting in that moment is some sort of chemical substance um, that's going to cause a physiological reaction in my body that will make me feel calm and it'll make me feel... Um, loved, for me it makes me feel like close to my mom, so there's all this like good like chemical stuff that happens in your body when that happens, and um, without some formal form of meditation, I actually like, my brain, I just spin, like I am a very um, active and mentally active, like lots of mentor, mental chatter, lots of um, emotions that come up that need to be like projected onto someone and I need you to do something for me so that I'll feel better and um, so meditation has actually become a really important part of how I manage that so that I don't have to use the food. It does physiologically in a way what um, what you know like any you can fill in the blank your food of choice does for me, um, does for me in my body. And, but it does it in a way that's, you know, grounding and, um, 
lasting and nurturing and it supports a lot of growth. So um, I guess I feel like um, it's, you know, the kind of like the where I'm at now is that I can be pretty, like if I'm spinning, I just have to do a little mental inventory. Like, did I meditate? Did I make time for X, Y, or Z in my program? And um, usually, like a lot of good things happen once I start prioritizing that. So, um, so the so the other thing I'll say is that when I first um, came into the rooms, I was going to meetings um, on the Upper West Side in Manhattan. There were a lot of really pretty people there with really attractive lives. And um, these, you know, not to like put anybody down, but this is just like where I was at. It's like these really pretty women would come in and they'd be like, oh, I'm so upset, my boyfriend this, my job that. And like six months later, they'd be like, I'm doing great. Like I'm in OA and I'm great and everything's great. And I was miserable. Like I was, you know, I was like in the trenches working a really hard, like, kind of entry-level job, very physically demanding, um, and I wasn't really, I, I was having a lot of growth, like, a lot of growth, but I was not having this, like, magical transformation, six-month transformation that I was seeing around me, and I was not getting, like, the engagement rings and the, like, fancy job and the whatever, you know, I wasn't getting any of that. and. I really was like comparing myself to these people a lot and I was wanting what they had and so I would hear them share at meetings and they would share about their higher power and about how what they were doing and I would um, just want what they had so I would try to like copy their share almost and like copy like oh well, I'll just do that you know I'll like if I just like act like you maybe I'll have that life will just come to me and of course you know you probably don't have to think very hard to imagine that that didn't happen. And so what, like I kind of got to a point where I realized that um, my spirituality is very unique, and it, it, it is, it's a very unique, I come, you know, spirituality, and, um, and I have to be honest about what my actual, who, like who I think of when I think of God, who I think of when I think of the most like fantastic, um, way of being in communion with that God, what that looks like, how God talks to me, what kinds of things and practice, spiritual practices I'm attracted to, what ones I'm not, and I had to like almost like come out about what was really um, who I was and what I liked, and once I started doing that, then my recovery actually started, and um, and so I just wanted to like throw that out there because I feel like. You know, even though I've had this path and it looks like this, like I, I really feel like everybody has their own path, and we all have to kind of come out about who it is we are, what we believe in, what we want prayer and meditation to look like for us, and how our higher power talks to us, um, and really just be honest about that and allow that to be the unifying thing in our. Um, in our way of relating to each other, rather than like, oh, we all have the same prayers, we all have the, and I'm not talking about like the, you know, the 12-step prayers, but just like in general, we all pray the same, we all meditate the same, we all, you know, we all, our God talks to us all the same way, which is not, in my experience, that's not true. That hasn't been true for me, and I really had to own that, and the more that I own that, the more um, I move forward. So, um, 
one, one way that that's manifested is my spiritual path happens to be this kind of like standing at an edge of a cliff and then I just have to jump into the like into fear and void and terror and nobody I know has their lives look like this and then I land on my feet and I'm just like oh my god I'm so glad I did that and then like six months later or a year later the same thing happens again and it's so infuriating because I don't want to have to take those leaps of faith all the time but that's just the way it works for me and so I've had to really like own that um and when I don't own that, um, I try to, sometimes I try to have things all look, the, like stay the same, um, is when I sl- start sliding. And so my program has been a lot about having to continuously take the next leap of faith, take, continuously move forward into the next thing. Um, so... So um, I guess I'll talk a little bit about prayer, um, and this I feel like I have a little bit less to share about the topic of prayer. Um, I'm not exactly sure why that is, but I think prayer kind of freaks me out a little bit. Um, I'm much more like comfortable with the idea of sitting and receiving than of actually having a dialogue with a higher power and hearing answers and then having to act on them. Um, so, so I do like, I feel like I do do, I mean, I feel like I'm actually constantly kind of talking to God in my head. Um, I'm not totally sure whether or not that's healthy the way I do it. Like, I'm not totally sure if that's like not just me being like having a little OCD um, and that it manifests in like, no, I'm talking to God. But, um, but I do do that. And, um, and, so you know, I was sharing how, like, last year I was really incredibly, incredibly anxious. And so I started, you know, doing this old meditation technique I was raised doing. And um, in the summer, it just kind of, like, it just, it just, it, it got worse. And then um, I sought some medical help, and that helped stabilize me. Um, but just, like, this past spring, um... I've been thinking a lot about, like, okay, so so now what? So so just to give you a little bit of context, um, I got into, like I said, into the rooms about eleven years ago. My life was just a complete mess, and it was real. It was really really bad for a long time, and um, I was dealing with you know sexual abuse and just like like memories and family stuff and work stuff and you know. Um, and the way that I got through it is I just, um, I just kept saying, like, in, when I get through this, my life is going to be great and then I'm going to be happy. So I'm just going to get through it. Like, I'm just going to keep going to meetings. I'm going to feel all the fear and the pain. My life's just going to suck. But, like, once I get through it, it's going to get better. And so um, after doing that for a few years, I realized that I discovered a profession that I was interested in. Um, and so then it was like, oh, now I can now go, go back to school. It's going to be another five-year process, whatever it is. So my life is going to get better once I graduate from school, once I do all that. And it has gotten a lot better. Like, each step of the way, things have improved. Um, I've 
become more stable, I've become you know, less depressed, I've any number of things. And last year, I was getting ready to graduate from school and I was still unhappy. <laughs> and, and it was like this huge crisis of faith about, well, now what? Like, I've done everything, and I've worked so hard to get to this point, and it's not, like, magically better yet. So, um, so a couple of months ago, thank you. Um, actually, just a little over a month ago, um, a spiritual teacher that I really adore was in town, and I went to see her, and there's usually, like, a lot of singing at, the, at these um, gatherings, and it's, it's singing to God. So you're just like, for like an hour and a half, like just like singing and singing. And it's all in languages that I don't speak or understand. So you're like reading text up there, trying to follow along. And I actually really love, love these experiences because, because I don't know the words, I can fill in the blanks. And so I can just pray my heart out. And I, like, I think I mentioned, so I was an actor. So I love like embodied, um, physical ways of getting in touch with myself, and um, and I kind of ha- had to. Ge- I gave all of that up when, around the time that I got into recovery, and it was a real like God, God guidance moment of you need to stop doing this and follow a different path. So I had to kind of let that go. Um, but these gatherings allow me to be really embodied and just to like sing my heart out, and I cry, and I just like imagine you know, my higher power, and I'm saying this and this in my head while I'm using these words I don't understand, but just praying and singing. And I had this revelation, which is that, like, half of the reason that I'm depressed is I'm just not doing stuff I enjoy. Like, I go through my day, and I'm doing, like, everything that I'm supposed to do to, you know, move through my day, but I'm not actually getting that physiological experience of pleasure and happiness. Because I'm like, oh, now I've got to do the dishes. Now I have to go meditate. Now I have to go to work. Now I have to make a phone call. Now it's time for bed, and I haven't had fun today. So, um, so while I was at this gathering, I um, it just occurred to me, and I'm going to start passing this basket around. If you have any questions near the end, um, it occurred to me that um, that I needed to make. I needed to make embodied prayer a part of my everyday spiritual practice. And the, and the thing about this singing is that it, it, it brings together the two things that I love the most. I love acting and like being emotional in my body, and I love spirituality. And this practice happens to like be both of them at the same time. So just over the past month, um, I've been... Uh, I, after after this teacher left, and I was worried that I was going to just to be like totally transparent. Like around that time, it felt like the right time to stop taking this medication I started taking about a year ago. And as I've been moving through it, I was like, well, what's going to happen if these feelings come back? And it it occurred to me, thank you, while I was visiting with this teacher, that that's what needs to happen. Like incorporating that practice in my life every day is what needs to happen in order for me to really just feel like I'm enjoying my life. And so I have been doing that for about the past, for the past month, and it's totally working. And it's just like, I don't know, who would have thought? So, um, so that's what I have to say, and I'm going to pass this this way. Um, and, <laughs> sorry, we're already at that part. 
So, um, so I don't know. I think we're done with the with me speaking part, and I didn't pass the basket soon enough for the question part. So, I'm wondering um, if any, if anybody has a question they want to kind of like whisper, <laughs> or if I'll just wait for paper if anybody wants to write one. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Um, would you uh, give any suggestions on how to start? For me, it's very challenging to like just sit still mm -hmm. and then traditional prayer. I have almost like a stereotype of what a, it is, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's not what I like. But I'm still like go back to that. So I'm like fighting mm -hmm. it, but I need to fulfill that spiritual need. So any suggestion mm -hmm. to start? Where to start? Where to start? Options, ideas. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. Like when I started, I had a, um, I had a, a teacher who had taught something. They're called mudras. They're like uh, in in like in Hindu and Vedic spiritual traditions. They they make you know you see like Buddha sitting with his fingers like two fingers together, three fingers out. So they have these different ways that you basically just like body positions, hand positions. And the idea is that each each position that we're in in our body actually causes the energy to run differently. So you can kind of just like play with their books that you can get where you can just look them up and you just, I literally just started with that. I was like, I'm gonna sit for five minutes with my fingers like this and I'm just gonna feel what happens. Um, the thing that I like about Hindu, some of the different Hindu traditions is that you, it doesn't make you responsible for making stuff happen because they usually give you, there's like some sort of initiation or mantra or mudra that it's, that it's, that's its job is to make something happen and your job is to just kind of sit there and receive it. So I don't know. I mean, I would, that's how I started. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm Caroline. Caroline, I'm Thank you for your sharing. And uh, so funny. You just by your sharing, uh, I always thought when, when, when I got here, I'm enjoying a lot starting to meditate. And I always thought, oh my God, you know, blaming my parents. Like, why they never taught me to do this since I was a kid? Like, I'm, when I got my kids, I'll teach them this, you know, and they're not going to suffer for eating or overeating, you know, they're, gonna be, they're not going to be a piece of crap like I am, and they're not going to have all this pad, and it's awesome that you share that, so, you know, they're still going to have disease, illness, whatever, they, they have to, because it's their, it's their own, you know, path, they have to find their own path, their own spirituality. So um, even if this is a malady, it's it's a, it's a way, it's a mean to find, to find. That's how I see it. It's it's a mean for my higher power, so I can find him. You know. So it's okay if you know. Like sometimes, seriously, like I pray and meditate. And just thinking on my kids gonna see me doing this, so I'll teach them by not talking about this, but by example about this. So I'm gonna prevent them from 
the malady and probably not <laughs> but it's still okay so that gives, gives, gives me peace because they also have to find their way like I'm trying myself so um, I'm going to read I'm going to read a couple more questions before we get to the sharing portion um, oh, that was my question yeah. <laughs> did you have a question? did you have a question? the praying what's the type of praying you do? how you dance? what do you do? Like, I just, well, I mean, explain it it's just fill in the blank do it. it's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it would work in any spiritual tradition. So, like, this particular practice happens to be a Hindu tradition, and the and these their songs, like in Hindu traditions, they have, like, a call-and-response um, prayer system. So, um, like, they sing, they'll sing a song to God, somebody will write it, and the leader will sing, a, sing one, a line, and then the whole room will sing the line back. And then the leader will sing the line again, and the whole room will sing the line back. And then this leader will sing the next line and the whole room will sing the line back. So it's not specific to that tradition. I mean, it could happen in any, mm-hmm. in any tradition, any song you could do. Um, these just happen to be the ones that, where I felt most comfortable because it you know, fit in with the lineage that I'm working with. But okay. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Okay, so the next question is... Um, I can never figure it out. Do I meditate and pray, then exercise, or eat or exercise, meditate, eat, pray? What order do you suggest? Okay. This is a really good question because I actually, this is a problem that I have. Um, so in like in in you know in yoga, I don't know if you if you've ever been to a yoga class, they may sometimes they'll say like don't eat for two hours before the yoga class. Yes. So in this you know being from a similar kind of yogic tradition, this meditation practice that my family does, they say like don't eat right beforehand because it causes thoughts. More thoughts will happen. I mean digestion's happening, so it's like when you digest, your body's doing stuff, and it it can affect your thinking. Um, but the problem is if I don't eat and I'm starving, like my problem is actually, it's like anorexia. It's one of my problems. So one of the things that I'm struggling with right now is that I wait too long to eat. And so I'm starving. Like, and this happens regularly. This happens sometimes two or three times a day. And so I just had to make like a deal with my sponsor. Like, okay, so if I get up and eat, if I get up before 8 a.m., I can meditate before I eat, because I'm not, I'm not so starving yet, but if I get up after 8, this is just personal for me, this is what I worked out with my body, if I get up after 8 a.m., chances are I'm going to be so hungry by the time I finish meditating that it is physiologically not a good idea, and so I just have to eat beforehand, and so that's, Um, so, okay, so um, I'm just going to pass um, this to the two of you since you just spoke, if you don't mind signing that. Um, so we're now going to have three-minute shares. Um, please stick to the topic, which is prayer meditation, and stop sharing at the end of three minutes. Do you mind being the timekeeper still? Okay. 
Um, so if you would like to share, you need to sign this little, just sign anywhere on that little piece of paper because we are recording this, um, this meeting. And um, the way that we've set up the room here, um, the microphone extends to about this inner circle here. So if you'd like, if you're sitting outside of this little circle, either speak really loudly or just kind of move up a little bit during your share. Um, and the floor is now open for share. I'm no compulsive overeater. I know. I know. And, uh, thank you for your share. That was great. Um, I'll just sign here on the bottom. Um, it's funny because my parents are like these Buddhist hippie people, and I grew up with meditation but not prayer, which mm -hmm. seems kind of the opposite of most people. Most people grew up with a, you know, Judeo-Christian whatever tradition of prayer, but no meditation. Um, so I was when I came into recovery. I was uh, kind of freaked out about prayer because I was like, but doesn't, isn't that only if you're religious? Mm -hmm. And then I found out that you could pray without being religious. Um, and uh, one of the first guys who kind of showed me about that was uh, my first sponsor, actually an AA. He, um, he was this older guy. He'd been a uh, bomber pilot in World War II and older white guy. And I had kind of taken his inventory and figured this guy's got to be Christian and you know, probably pretty conservative. And he shared in a meeting, and he said that, he said, it's nice that these churches let us have meetings here, but my God is a woman. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, and then I really started looking into the third step, which is, um, you know, we turned our will and our life over to the care of God as we understood him. So that's the, you know, such a cool thing about recovery is that we each get to come up with our own conception of a higher power. And so currently... I do pray every morning and every night, just very quickly, um, kind of on a regular basis, and I pray throughout the day. And my concept of my higher power is kind of that I'm praying to my higher self, and I'm praying for guidance from my community, and I'm acknowledging my connectedness to all things. So, but I don't believe that I'm praying to a specific like external god or you know goddess or something. Um, although sometimes I'll talk to my grandma and grandmothers or, you know, it can be, yeah, I do kind of talk to different things, which, you know, like you were saying, sometimes it feels a little crazy, but, um, you know, it feels good to just talk to things. I think that's how the human brain is. There's such a huge difference between the ego kind of thinking of like, I've got to do A, B, or C, and then the more spiritual kind of thinking of, please help me to do the right thing. So to me, it's really just the difference um, between, you know, kind of trying to do things on my own versus asking for help. Um, and when I ask for help, I get it. But the, the, the tricky part is remembering to ask for help, especially when I think you described, like, there are these moments when you don't feel like doing it. You're not, you know, and um, like at work, like I'll, I'll get into this perfectionism at work where... I feel like I've got to just push through and I've got to do all this work even though I'm overtired and I'm stressed. And um, that's the moment where I, I really have to pray and turn it over and find a healthy way to, to handle that stress, to handle the emotions. And when I do turn it over and pray, um, I usually will get a, a good answer. Like, instead of going to the snack room, why don't you go to the 
gym and stretch and do some stretching and relaxing and take a nap, you know, I mean, instead of using food. So I do get help when I ask for it, but I do need to ask, and I don't really even know what my higher power is. Thanks. Hi, my name is Inez. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hey, Inez. Hi, Inez. Am I speaking loud enough? I think so. Um, so thank you very much. Um, I just really appreciated hearing kind of your journey um, and uncovering what works for you and sort of getting back to your roots. And um, I, I, for a long time, belonged very much uh, to a traditional um, Judaic and um, it was, a, it was for me, it was a spiritual experience, that walk that I was on. But the prayers became very much um, kind of asking and then like having the expectations set. And then when I didn't get what I asked for, then something was wrong with me, something was wrong with God something was wrong with what I asked. I mean, it was like a host of, like, so many different um, reasons why, you know, I did something wrong somehow. And then um, when I lost my faith in that, just in that traditional religion, it just, it was really hard for me because I was, um, I was in recovery and I really believed that I needed a higher power to, you know, to stay sober, to stay abstinent. Um... And then I had this foot injury, and so, like, I mean, I just kind of got smacked down, dragged around in order, like, spiritually speaking, like, that is what I needed to start having a connection, like, start meditating something, because I did nothing. Like, I lost my faith, I lost any spiritual life that I had, and I did nothing. And that was a very lonely feeling, and it was scary. Um... But I felt like I can't do it the old way because the old way makes my God really small and really narrow and gets me into magical thinking and that just leads to misery. And so what I started to do was to read from, you know, um, what is it, Voices of Recovery and One Day at a Time. And then I have the, um, some other 12-step um, um, readings that I do as soon as I wake up and then I have breakfast because I'm usually starving by then and then since I'm not working I can make the time to meditate but I don't usually when I do it's fabulous like you know and I'm just sitting there because you know my brain goes all over the place so I just let it and I can do it for 15 minutes and I feel okay but it's getting you know I have this chair in front of the window and it's so bright in my bedroom and I can't get myself to do it it's like this well, I have this to do, this to do. And I don't know if it's just sheer, like, avoidance, procrastination, um, like, not wanting to deal with whatever comes up um, for me in that moment, you know, when I'm doing that, or just, like, the tedium of the discipline. I don't know what it is, but I wish I would do it because it. I feel better. I'm just calmer during the day. I don't know if this is a Q&A period or if that's something that you can address either now or later, but I like your thoughts on, like, how do I get myself to the chair where I'm sitting just for a few minutes like you did? I just can't, you know, seem to get myself to do that. 
Okay, well, I guess I'll just answer that really briefly. Um, I mean, I think I was lucky in that I had a lot of familiar familial pressure and also familial support because um, my family was meditating twice a day from before I was born. So there was this very predictable routine in my house of like morning, evening, morning. Um, but all like that being said, you know, I fought it tooth and nail. And the only reason that I started meditating when I did, like, of my own volition, was because I was having migraines. I was going in my high, I went to this high school that I um, fought really hard to get into, and then I was having headaches every day. And so the only thing that relieved that, it was, I mean, it was literally, I was kind of backed into a corner. I had to choose, am I going to meditate and feel better or not? So I kind of worked through some of that initial struggle. But I, I mean, I, I sympathize. I totally get it. I, even today, like, I still have a hard time sometimes making myself do it. And it's, it's almost only because I feel so amazing afterwards, like, physiologically so different that I, it's really, like, kind of just driven at home. How The benefits are so great that I, I, can, I can kind of force myself to do it. Um, but it has taken it does take a lot of a lot of discipline and I mean I kind of think it's just you know karma like I like I, I was just I had no other way it's like I got I got the support I needed to do it but um, it does it's not easy like it's definitely a little bit of a fight to get my to establish that routine and continue it. My name's Colleen. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Colleen. Um, when I came to Overeaters Anonymous, um, I thought, well, the spirituality part will be really easy because I have a bachelor's degree in religious studies from a traditional <laughs> Judo-Christian college, one of the oldest in the country. <laughs> but it turned out to be one of the harder parts because um, once I started my journey in OA and found my voice, um, I realized that what I had been brought up with as far as spirituality didn't really fit once I got into the program. And um, I now have learned to do meditation, and um, I've learned to do hypnosis, I've learned to do Reiki, I've learned to do a lot of different things for um, my spiritual practice. I can't figure out if I should meditate, exercise, eat, or what combination to do things in. But the hardest part for me is I've had a crisis in the family, and um, the crisis, I have literally came to a point where I can go through the drive-thru and eat something and medicate my feelings, or I can say something I will eternally regret which is not a healthy choice, but that's kind of where I was backed into the corner of feeling I had to choose. And once I started doing that, my spirituality just kind of really got non-existent because I was just trying not to feel. That's one of the things I have discovered when you do meditate, you do feel your feelings. You do get to the crux of the issues. You do get clarity. And sometimes you don't like the clarity you get, but you need it. So it's, it's not necessarily um, being educated about different religions doesn't necessarily make it any easier. 
We have time for one more two-minute share. Scott, compulsive overeater. Scott. Uh, it's been really a struggle for me to uh, meditate and pray. Um, but I'm very grateful that uh, for the last uh, five and a half years I have, I do have a practice. Um, I'm trying to be as gentle on myself as possible. Uh, <clears throat> and, um, and I just sit and... Um, and uh, Doing, uh, I feel like it is helping. It's it's it slowed me down a lot, and that's been good. And it's made me more aware of this ego that I have. And um, and for years I've struggled uh, with prayer, you know. And um, and it's partly because of this big ego I have. And I, I think uh, I'm in my head when I pray a lot of the time. And um, I read this book uh, not too long ago that really helped me in that area to get out of my head and that prayer is uh, more of a feeling. It's connecting to my body and getting in touch with the feeling so then I can express and not stay in my head and have a dialogue with myself. Uh, so that's been helpful too. I would say that my meditation practice has grown, uh, is stronger than my prayer practice, but it says prayer and meditation, so I'm working on both of them. Thank you. Okay, so that's all the time we have. Um, it's now time to close the session. Let's thank everyone who did service for this session. And um, please stand and join hands as we close with the serenity prayer.